Hello, hello, hello. My name is Courtney Turner, and you are listening to Bluegrass Community Foundation's Do Good Radio Hour. Today's guest is the Director of Development, Communications, and Marketing for the Lexington Public Library, and she seriously stays, capital S-T-A-Y-S, on top of her game. If you've met her, you adore her, and if you've listened to the Do Good Radio Hour before, you may have heard her because she is our first ever second-time guest. Here is the one and only Anne Donworth. Courtney. I'm doing well, thanks. I want to point out, you are the very first second time guest on this podcast. Woo woo! The last time you were, we were just talking. We had masks on. Mm-hmm. It was a crazy time. Do you feel more free in this recording booth? Well, it's kind of the same. It's the <laughs> yeah. two of us in here. Yes, uh, yes. But yes, the whole world feels a little different now, which yes. is pretty nice. Pretty nice. So let's go ahead and jump right in because we have the most to talk about. So there is a very exciting thing happening with Central Library and all of your friends. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Uh, The Community Foundation being one of those great friends. um, We are getting set to unveil um, an exhibit called Undesign the Red Line. Um, For those who aren't aware of it, redlining practices, they were legal between roughly 1930 and 1969, I think. Um, And what that meant, it was a federally sanctioned policy that literally drew a red line on a map and said where people could borrow, where banks could lend money um, Mm -hmm. so that they would be insured. So what that meant was that um, affluent white people were able to get higher or lower mortgage rates, excuse me, um, while people of color lower income areas did not have the same level. They could not get the same level of mortgage rates. Mm. What it led to in practice was a whole lot of disinvestment because a lot of the public entities then would say, property tax is based on home values. If these home values aren't worth as much, we shouldn't be spending as much money on schools or parks or libraries in those areas. So not only did you have people that couldn't build the equity in their house or couldn't afford their Mm -hmm. house in the first place, 
they also were set up for a failure on so many different levels because they didn't have the public investment either. Mm. Now, tell us a little bit about why it's important that this exhibit is coming specifically to Lexington, because this is through an organization called Design the We. It's called Designing the We, yes. Designing the We, and that is national. So tell me why it's important that this is happening now and why it's happening in Lexington. Sure. So the library came into this, uh, found this from the Dayton Dayton Public Library in Ohio, and our director of education, Clarissa Thomas, um, when she came on board about two years ago, she started looking at what other libraries were doing in this space, and she found this exhibit. Um, So she started talking with them. She brought us in as the Library Foundation to help underwrite the cost of this exhibit. Um, And then we've been putting together a community advisory group to really tell the local story about redlining, Mm -hmm. what it meant here. and what it can, what impact it continues to have. Mm-hmm. So these are not things that oh people might think oh it ended in the '60s, it's over and done with now. We're talking about the areas, the same areas that are now being hit with gentrification, affordable right. housing issues, um, less green space as well. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of um, health and societal benefits um, that these parts of town didn't have. Mm-hmm. Now, you talked a little bit about how the library got their hands on this, but I want to take a deep dive into that because the library is such a, I mean, it's the central library, but it's such a central hub for the community. The library as a whole is. So out of all of the things that the library could have been doing, why was it important for you all to invest your time and your money and your energy into this specific exhibit? So many of the issues that we are seeing in Lexington today, again, gentrification, crime, gun violence, those are all things that have really deep societal causes Mm -hmm. that sometimes regularly people are placing blame on others. Mm -hmm. So we see that as one of our roles is helping provide information, uh, but also helping to connect people. So one of the things we really like to do as the library is is to help people connect with their neighbors, be that somebody who lives down the street or across town. Um, So this is a way that we can understand a little bit better about other people's life life experiences and not just this generation's life experiences. Mm. These are things we hear about buzz terms about generational poverty. That didn't just happen. This was something that was actually made possible not by the local government or the state government or individual people with an agenda. This was federal, our federal government did this, and they did it intentionally. Mm-hmm. And there, there are a whole lot of different examples. You know, Jim Crow laws obviously mm-hmm. are something that we heard a lot, of, we know a lot about um, in general. Um, that was really one aspect of it. And so telling that story um, and helping people understand what we as a white people did to our neighbors of color not 400 years ago, not right yesterday, but how do we get to this place where we are now? And how can we design our way out of it, potentially? Now, what is this exhibit going to look like, and what can people expect to experience while they're there? Also, can you tell us when and where it is so we yes. make sure we get that in? 
Um, so it's going to open on September the 22nd. Um, it will be at the Central Library on the third floor. It's a little bit bigger than our typical gallery mm-hmm. exhibit. So it's on our third floor right outside of our Kentucky room, which is our local history uh, collection. Um, it will be a self-guided panel. We do have docents available to tour that. So check our website for, for dates when we will have those open. If you are with a group or a neighborhood association, a church, religious group, uh, professional organizations, um, looking at banks and real estate industry and yes. legal industries in particular, um, there's potential for con- some continuing education there. Um, there are a whole lot of different ways that you can come and experience this. Again, it is a self-guided tour, mm-hmm. but we do have the option for docent-led. Um, in combination with the exhibit, we are having a whole series of different programs, um, everything from first-time homebuyer workshops oh, wow. in English and Spanish mm-hmm. um, to more historical uh, context about what happened and why. Um, and then we also are doing a large community read yes. to go along the, with this, um, which is really where the Community Foundation has been such a great partner. Um, we are doing a community read of Richard Rothstein's book, which is called The Color of Law. Mm-hmm. And it is very much about the codified legal racism that happened throughout this country's history. Now, what I will say, I read The Color of Law, and it is a little dense, but it is so fascinating and so important to read. Can you give me, like, one or two big takeaways from what you've collected from that book? Well, full disclosure, I have not read the book yet. Community reads. Um, community <laughs> reads. Um, I'm just ahead of the game. You are. That's why it's... why. <laughs> Yes, that's why we announced it early, because yes. we knew that this is a dense, dense book. Yes. Um, we actually have a discussion guide. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea, and we'll have discussion groups as well for people who want to read it, maybe a couple of chapters at a time. It's mm-hmm. broken into smaller segments um, to try to help people be able to digest it, because it is hard information. Yeah. Regardless of your own skin color, it is hard. Yes. Um, and so we want to be able to give people the time to read it, think about it, digest it, um, come see this exhibit, um, and think about what we can do better. Now, when we talk about this initiative as a whole, so we're talking about the workshops, the community reads, the exhibit as uh, as like an entity that will be here for a while, what is your biggest hope for this experience in general? And what do you hope that Lexington takes away from it? That is a very good, very tough question. (laughs) Um, I think for me, I hope that the city as a whole, that our community can understand a little bit more Mm -hmm. about why this is such a hot button issue and that there is no single um, solution that's going to solve this. Mm -hmm. And how can we how can we work together to to make a more equitable society. Um, as far as the library is concerned, you know, we're all about putting out information. Mm-hmm. This is not a policy recommendation or anything like that. 
we want people to have the information so that they can then ask their elected leaders, their neighborhoods, um, even within their daily lives, so that they can then decide how they want to proceed. If there are people listening who either want more information about everything that's happening with this initiative or just the library in general, or they're interested in learning about maybe being a docent for this or future endeavors, how can people get a hold of you? The well, the single best source is the library's website, which is lexpublib.org. We do have a designated area uh, with, uh, within the website about Undesign the Red Line. It's lexpublib.org slash undesign. Um, it's got a whole, it's got all of the calendar of events related to this, as well as the discussion guide, other resources. Um, if people are interested in volunteering, the docent group is, is actually a pre-selected, we've, mm, we've yeah. vetted the people yeah. who are, who are giving the tours for this. Um, but we are, we do have a relatively new volunteer program. Um, we have a wonderful volunteer coordinator whose information is also on the website. So the Library Foundation is a really big part of this entire initiative. Can you tell us a little bit about the role that they've played and how they are making this come to life here in Lexington? Sure. So the Designing the We comes in and does a huge deep dive of the local history. It is not a cheap project. I'm sure. Um, so the library itself could not afford to do this. The Library Foundation came in and said, this is really important stuff. So we have underwritten the cost of the exhibit and the programming to go al along with it. Um, this is the first time we've done that as a library foundation. Mm. So typically when we have helped sponsor things, it has been to facilitate another donor covering a program or something like this. This was really important to the Library Foundation Board that, that this be a community project and not be backed by a corporate entity that it needed mm -hmm. to be of and by and for our community. And we might be getting in the weeds a little bit here, but for people who don't know, can you give a short explanation on what the difference between the library foundation and the library as a library is? I mean, pure and simple, one is public <laughs> dollars, one is private dollars. Yes. So um, I, I tell people that you know, no public dollars are being spent on this project. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, this is something that we are able to do, that the Library Foundation is able to do to help the library be able to provide more resources to the community. Um, and that's because people were generous to the Library Foundation to help make this type of thing possible. And if there are other generous people who are listening who want to maybe give some private dollars to the Library Foundation, how can they do that? Well, I'll send people right back to that same <laughs> website, um, lexpublib.org. We have a backslash foundation, or you can go directly to the donate link from the home button, homepage. Mm. Okay, and I'm so excited for this next part because, again, you're the very first person that has ever done this twice. So I'm excited to see if when we go back – some of your answers are going to change. I, I mean, probably, probably some of the big ones I'm very interested in. But let's get started with BGCF Fast Facts. Are you ready? Maybe. <laughs> what are you reading right now? I am reading The Bullet That Missed, which is the third series of the Thursday Murder, the Thursday Murder Club group. 
I have not heard of this. What is this? Oh, it's this like retirement community and they have the, it's this crazy weird group of people in England um, who live in a retirement community and they were bored. So okay. they decided that they were going to solve cold cases. So <laughs> it's I love that. It's it's very funny. It's um you know, it's it's not for everyone probably, but it it's would about be for where me. I, it's about where I need in my life right <laughs> yes. now. So. What are you listening to right now? Um, a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So nothing, nothing that like stands out. Nothing that stands out. What are you watching right now? Right now, I'm watching the U.S. Open tennis. <sighs> okay. I have a little backstory relationship with tennis. <laughs> I went to Disney World. And if you've ever been to Disney World, there's a place called Gideon's Cookies where they make these just massive, massive chocolate chip cookies. They're in Disney Springs. Okay. And I got one right before a big dinner reservation. I was so excited. I ate the whole thing and got physically ill. Like, I was so sick. So my friends went and did our dinner reservation, and the only thing I could find to watch was tennis. And now I am hooked. (laughs) I cannot stop. Watching those two girls battle it out about the rules of tennis mm-hmm. had me on the edge of my seat the whole time let's see i grew up playing my and i love it uh took it back up during covid time because because it was one of the few you could be outside you could do yes. and you could be social um my father's who my father's single largest regret in life mm-hmm. was that he dropped off the college his college freshman tennis team and didn't keep playing yeah like you know, mm. if you're 87 and saying that. If that's your biggest regret, you've done great. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like it's good. What are you eating right now? I am eating a lot of tomatoes. Delicious. Are you growing your own? I have some that I have homegrown and some that people have, have brought. But they're so good right now. Now, are you eating them like apples or are you cutting them up, seasoning them? Are you putting them in things? What's the tomato vibe? Um, Depends on the type. So the ones that I'm growing are the little yellow cherries, and Mm -hmm. those are like candy. Mm -hmm. Um, Just pop them in. Um, And then the I really love the the red one. The big ones have been Mm -hmm. so good and juicy. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of caprese, um, a lot of just Mm -hmm. sliced Yep. Salt and pepper. Delicious. Oh, that made my belly crumble. Yeah. I don't know if the mic picked that up, but I am hungry. <laughs> um, what are you most scared of? That I can say in this audience. <laughs> yes. Ooh, um, this is a totally random thing. I have a weird phobia of pigeons. Cannot, they freak me out. Is there a story behind that or is it just like? No, I just have always been afraid that they're going to like come poke my, try to eat my toe or something. So New York City is not your place. Oh, it is. I just have to, like, <laughs> really guard yourself. <laughs> On the other hand, what are you most proud of? My kids. Mm, how old are they? They are about to be 14 and 10. Mm. Who do you look up to? Mm, a lot of people. Um, the one that jumps through is, is my mama. Mm-hmm. Um there are a lot of strong women that I look up to um, across all different sectors. Mm-hmm. And really, I look up to anyone who has that attitude of, I want to make myself better, or I want mm. to make my world better. Um, be that 
I want to do that education. I want to help other people. I want to give my time, my money, whatever it might be. Mm. But those are the people that, that inspire me. What are you most looking forward to? I love the fall. I love um, going to Keeneland and October meet is my favorite. Um, it's my daughter, one of my daughter's birthdays mm. um, this year, especially with the Undesign exhibit opening. And then as we're gearing up for the, the Marksbury family branch to open in the early 2024, which oh is a whole gosh. other, that's where I should have probably started with what I'm excited about. Um, also, it's, I feel like ground just broke on the marks. I mean, that is happening so fast. It is. We broke ground in August of of 22. Oh, my gosh. Opening in probably January, possibly February of 24. Well, and we're going to have to have you back for a three-parter when the Marksbury branch opens. We have to get you there, too. Oh, I will be there. I will be there. I know you will. We see you everywhere. Oh, yes. (laughs) Why do you love our community? Oh, so many things. Um, I think I I was actually talking about this the other day. I think the first thing that I love, again, I said the people that I Mm -hmm. admire the most are those who want to make themselves or something better, um, do better. Uh, And I think that's something that really embodies Lexington. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a group of people here that wants to try something new. We want to experience the art. We want to get a better education. Um, We want to be creative. And Mm. I think that's something that really sets us apart. Mm. Why do you love yourself? That is something I am always working with, working on. Mm -hmm. Um, I like being able to uplift the work that other people are doing in our community Mm. and use the voice that I have been given to help other people reach bigger platforms you do such a good job at that oh thank you we appreciate you and we love you and we're so excited for all of the fun things happening at the library you have to come back for round three by the time you're in here for round three we're gonna have to get you an award or something (laughs) i'm gonna stick to that (laughs) and thank you so much for being here and we will see you next time great thank you bye Thank you so much for joining us today on the Do Good Radio Hour, brought to you by Bluegrass Community Foundation. We'll be back next week right here on Radio Lex, or you can listen to us anytime on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at BGCFKY, or visit us at BGCF.org to stay up to date on all of the latest giving and do good opportunities in our community. Until next time, I'm Courtney Turner. Do good and be well. You are listening to the Do Good Radio Hour on Radio Lex, WLXU 93.9 LP FM Lexington. Our theme song is Happy Tune, written and performed by Brother Smith. The views expressed on this podcast are not necessarily the views of Radio Lex, its board of directors, or Bluegrass Community Foundation. The views expressed are solely my own and the guests'.